The Bellatrist Anthology, a collection of short stories written by Miranda Meyer, also read by Miranda Meyer. Theme music is written by Dunn Roman of Portland, Maine. desirable end. True silence could be deafening. It was something Adrian had never truly realized or experienced before everything fell apart, although he had thought he had. But true silence meant removing the cars from the distant highway, the planes from the sky, the background hum of electricity, the quiet whir of motors in the appliances, and lights and infrastructure that he used to just take for granted. The collective din of these various objects often made things like the wind and birdsong barely detectable on a day-to-day -day basis. Mere background noise. Now, the resounding silence made these simple, natural things seem raucous. He stood there on the curb, looking out at the cracked pavement, where tall grasses had taken root in the fissures and gone to seed, the feathery stalks swaying quietly in the breeze. He could clearly remember what silence was then when everything worked. Now it was heavily, stonily still. He could hear the papery feathers of the crow on the cable above him rustle as it preened. He could hear the buzzing of the bluebottles that circled a pile of horse manure in the middle of the street. Somewhere a thrush made a song, and a loose sign creaked in a low breeze. He heard the horses coming long before they even touched pavement, their hoof clatter echoing off the faces of the empty buildings, with a smile, he stepped out just as the six horses came clip-clopping up the street. The horse in the front, a solid, massive bay wearing a red, weathered halter, stopped and snorted. The large, dark eyes studied Adrian for a moment. There was grass sticking out of its mouth, and its tail switched impatiently at the buzzing creatures that followed them. The horse reached its large head down towards the buckets in Adrian's hands. Like clockwork, they always knew when it was graining time. The sun was soon to go down after all. They had to be secured from wrestlers. Adrian moved purposefully with his two large five-gallon buckets across the street, and the pack of six horses followed. He led them to the large edifice where they were kept at night and emptied out motorcycle dealership. It was one of the few buildings in the space for them that also had metal grates over the windows and doors. The glass was long gone, but the metal kept the horses protected. Inside, motorcycles, the clothing racks, the posters, the desk, all accoutrement of a living and thriving business had been removed. The vaulted warehouse space was now divided up into stalls, with hammered together wood pallets and other bits of lumber, even a stray sign panel or two, and ribs of a futon. The floor was peppered with straw, a wheelbarrow hunkered in the aisle between the two columns of stalls. As the young man and the horses filed in, the horses knew where they belonged, and they dispersed into the stalls that belonged to them. He followed the men and portioned out the food and closed the rickety door of each stall, leaning over the half wall of one stall to watch the horse eat out of its feed bowl, which was an old tire thrown into the corner, 
He'd poured the food in the center of the ring. He then walked back to peel off some hay from the huge roll against the wall. He threw some of that in each stall as well. He liked the fresh scent of the clean straw and the hay. He liked the sound of the horses as their teeth bore down on mouthfuls of food, their contented snorts, the switch of their tails, and the stamp of their hoofs. He never imagined he'd enjoy this kind of sound and found it soothing. He never even knew he'd like horses. He'd never even seen one up close except once during a parade. Now he took care of them and took great pride in it. He reached over and patted the big bay, who paid little heed to him as he continued to munch out of its tire bowl. He used a manual water pump in what was once the bathroom to fill buckets and make sure all the horses had fresh water for the night. His arms had grown quite muscled from hauling these weighty buckets, so much so it didn't seem like much work at all to him anymore. When he was done, Adrian picked up his nested buckets and exited, pulling down the rattling grate metal door over the broad glassless opening. He released two loops of chain from the steel barred windows on each side and threaded them through the door. He clicked two solid, slightly rusted locks closed over the thick links of chain on each side. He then loped down the empty street two blocks and came round to a small common about six blocks square. It was once a park space. The concavities of the skate park were now filled with water. The playground, broken down and barely recognizable, the plastic parts shattered and sun-bleached, the wood chewed relentlessly by time and possibly horses. All that remained of the swings were six chains dangling down from a metal crossbar, where sometimes in winter he would hang the hay bags for the horses. The grass was tall with paths worn through it. The concrete walkways were buckled and broken, interspersed with rebellious plants that took back what the asphalt had once covered. And the wildlife and horses made their own paths instead, to the skate park ponds to drink, or across to Adam Street by the old high school where they grazed in the old athletic fields. With a hearty whistle, he invoked a whinny in return. Another, larger group of horses came thundering into view from McMurray Drive. They'd been up on Prospect Hill, probably grazing the baseball fields, Adrian mused. They knew the city just as well as he did, if not better, because they'd learned all the shortcuts. It was mostly their turf now. There were 24 horses in total, plus one small foal born only three weeks before, still clinging tightly to its dam's side. They first ran towards him and then veered a bit away. He liked how they threaded through the trees in the common like a rush of water around rocks. The horses joined him as he opened up a wrought iron gate stolen from somewhere else, affixed to the cement archway into the lobby of a low-slung, dreary-looking 70-style office building. The sign above the door was still clear and new-looking, advertising a law office. The wooden doors were long removed now, leaving an old lobby open, the carpeting still present, although gold acanthus leaves that curled on a burgundy background were only distinguishable on the very edges of the walls. The remainder had been trampled into a brownish oblivion. The glass of one of the broad front windows was still intact behind the metal gates, bolted to the outside. The reception desk was still there, the flat screen monitor of a useless computer still peering up from behind the bar height portion of the desk. On each side of it, where there were once two wide doors, two corridors led back to a loop of individual offices. The high-set windows on the outside offices were still intact. Many of the office doors had been sawed in half just above the middle hinge or replaced entirely by something salvaged. The horses filed in one after the other down each side of the corridor, turning neatly into their own offices and then turning around to wait for Adrian to close them in, which he promptly did, making the circuit from the left corridor to the right as he did every night. 
He then walked through the door in the back to where what was once the best office with French doors that opened out into a small courtyard shared by a few of the other office buildings on the block. In this commodious space was the main storage of grain and hay. He began the process of portioning it all out, throwing the food into the offices, pumping more water and pouring more into the buckets that hung on hooks in each stall. He did pause long enough to pet the curious foal, delighting in the tiny muzzle wrinkling in his hand and the curious toothless bites on his fingers. The stalls were clean. He'd spent the whole morning cleaning all of them. They smelled fresh and the sounds of the horse settling in for the evening comforted him. He sat down in the worn leather wingback he'd saved from behind the reception desk and listened to the horses for a while before putting his buckets away for the night and locking everything up. There was a simplicity in it all that he could not help but appreciate. He walked quietly down streets that had once terrified him, that had owned him. He remembered with a reflective sigh the sense of belonging he'd found with the members of his crew, his brothers. He keenly recalled how he misspent his youth in anxiousness, fearing reprisal, ejection, punishment, or death for the simple mistake, a betrayal, an expressed desire to escape the cycle. He hated that cliché, but it was what it was. He'd been a gangbanger. He'd done questionable things. It still haunted him. He remembered the pain of the tattoos that still covered his skin. He recognized the graffiti that still existed on the walls in parts of the city to demarcate the crew's territory. He remembered it all. It was a different life. Hey, Adrian, they all snuggle up for the night? A bass voice asked him from ahead. He broke his gaze from the cracked and heaved sidewalk to see Ed standing against the doorway of a townhouse. Ed was a sixty-ish-year-old man from out of town who got stranded in the city when everything fell apart. He was worn and leathery-looking in the face, his eyes barely but glints from inside the folds of his sockets. He wore jeans that were stiff with soil and dirt, and his Van Halen t-shirt was blue-gray and had once been black. He wore a faded blue Red Sox cap. "'Yeah, the baby is a beauty, isn't it?' Adrian asked. Ed nodded. "'Manny told me to let you know we're taking them out tomorrow.' up the pike to see if we can trade. All of them? Nah, just the nine riders with a few of the trade horses. Manny wants to get one of those um, big ones that does the pulling and stuff. Oh, a draft. A draft horse, he told him. Hopefully some rabbits. They're stocky and strong as tanks. Or a few percherons for looks. They're real fine-looking horses. Big horses. Adrian had found some books on horses in the very early days of his being assigned caretaker. He found books on breeds, types, tack, diseases, disorders, training, everything he could get his hands on at the library and at the tax stores they raided. He went to help collect tax supplies to use and for Brandon to take apart and study so he could start manufacturing them himself. And then he went to collect information about horses, as much information he could ever absorb. Adrian had studied up on them with a fervor he'd never experienced before. He'd never been a strong student or a strong reader. But he made it work. He'd been given a position of trust. He wanted to be knowledgeable. Now his knowledge was never questioned. Everyone deferred to him when it came to knowing the most about the animals and their needs. He was consulted constantly. Even Manny, who ran this new crew, relied on Adrian. Adrian had never been an authority on anything in his whole life before all this. Nobody respected him the way they did now. Manny, who'd been a fancy lawyer with an uptown accent, put all his confidence in Adrian to know what he was doing and to choose the breeding pairs. It was Adrian that suggested to Manny that they get the heavy breeds if they could. 
He knew they would be valuable stock. Yeah, those. Draft says we could mix-breed them, make some high-value trade horses. I wouldn't mind seeing a real draft, Adrian admitted. I'll get the riders ready for you guys in the morning. You sure about not riding, fella? You sure seem to love the horses. You'd think you'd want to ride them. I'd be happy to teach you. I'm good enough just taking care of them for now, Ed. Fair enough, kid, fair enough. But any time you want to learn... Maybe. Right now I just like looking at them. Ed took this in with a nod and then turned and disappeared inside. Adrian continued up a few blocks to a house he shared with one of the riders. Nobody was home. He climbed up the front steps and sat down, reaching into his pocket to pull out some venison jerky. His jaw rippled as he chewed. He remembered it all again, once more before the sun went down. He imagined the street in front of him full of people, cars, the reek of exhaust. Instead, two swans still paddled around in the pond in the common across the street. Crows cawed. Max, one of the plentitude of dogs they took care of here, trotted by giving Adrian a wag of an acknowledgement in passing. No police, no unnecessary violence, no money issues, no debts. Hell, he didn't even have to worry about food, because he was part of the horse crew. The rest of the tribe, as they called it, took care of him. No, it wasn't crazy anymore. The crazy old world, he mused, is only silence, real silence, and horses. Adrian took a deep breath, listening to the little tree that was slowly busting up the sidewalk. It hissed in the breeze. He smiled wanly to himself before going in. Manny told him that morning that he'd be getting a couple of helpers to do some of the grunt work, that he could kick back a bit and focus more on the horses and less on their needs. A smile curled onto the corner of Adrian's lips. The next door, Marisa was cooking something fragrant for dinner. His stomach growled and he could hear her little girl squealing and giggles over something. Everything is so much better, he thought, since the world ended. We would like to extend our appreciation to all of our listeners, and we hope that you will like, share, and review wherever you can on whatever platform. Thank you for listening to the Bellatrist Short Story Anthology by Miranda Meyer.